I'm glad to be in church. How about you? Great to be here. And two words God gave us for our church a long time ago. If you know them, shout them out with me, everybody. Hope and healing. Hope for you tomorrow and healing from your yesterday. It's all found in a relationship with the one and only Jesus Christ, and he's changed our life forever. And we're so grateful to him for the church. And actually, some pretty exciting news. We have a brand new service time to invite your friends to and family for the summer schedule. So starting this next week, we're moving our Sunday night service to Saturday nights. It's going to be live preaching, and it's going to be a lot of fun. This is an opportunity, because you never know who's one invitation away. So go hang out with your friends and family all day, and then end the day at church, and then go out to eat and eat large quantities of food right after Saturday night. So uh, I want to encourage many of you to try that out, try Saturday night out. Uh, that would provide some more seating in the main primetime services, and we're so excited, so excited that we have a great team that's going to pull this off and hopefully reach more people with Jesus. How many think that's a good idea? All right, grab your notes out, grab your pens, and today we're in a series called Fan the Flame. And this is the final installment through the book of 2 Timothy. It's a tiny little book in the right side of your Bible, and the theme verse that's been our theme verse for the entire series, I want to read this out and start it again today. For this reason, Paul says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God that is already in you. Turn and tell somebody the gift is in you already. For some of you, that gift has been lying dormant. For some of you, you've been unaware that you even had a gift. And I'm praying through this series that that gift is rekindled and that we can fan it into flame to do what God's called you to do with the gift. How many of you have gotten a gift from somebody and like you, you didn't really use it? And then they asked you, hey, did you use it? And you're like, uh, well, see, here's the thing. <laughs> How many of you have ever given somebody else a gift and they didn't use it? And you go over to the house and like... What'd you do with my, my blender? You didn't like it? You know, I want God to look at us and I want him to be pleased with what we've done with the gift. Don't sit on the gift, let's use the gift. Somebody say, use the gift. Today our message is entitled, follow through. Follow through. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your amazing grace. Your mercy motivates. And so God, today we again make a fresh commitment to you and your word. Pray that you speak to every life today. In Jesus' name, somebody say good amen. amen. Have you ever recognized the difference between starting and finishing? Like how many have ever been motivated to start something and then you didn't finish? Wave your hand at me if you did not finish a book. You started a book and then you didn't finish the book. How many ever got super motivated in the beginning of the year with the New Year's resolution? New Year's resolution. You go and get a gym membership, super motivated, till like January 15th. <laughs> gym memberships are making a killing off of us. We pay them and don't even go. Like, you got a gym membership? Yep, do you go? Mm -mm. Not a chance. I love golf. Anybody like golf? Any golfers? Love golf. Golf's the best. I love it. I hate it. I love it so much, but I hate it. I love it but I hate it. Like nothing else tests your ability not to cuss like golf does. You know that's the truth. There's a guy, he was on his way to go golfing and he's, his three buddies were waiting for him at the golf course. They're like, John, why are you so late? He said, guys, it's Sunday. And uh, they were like, okay, well, that didn't explain why you're late. He says, no, it's Sunday. I had to flip a coin to decide whether I'll go to church or come play golf. They said, again, that doesn't explain anything. Why are you late? He said, guys, I had to flip the coin 15 times. Until <laughs> he found the answer he wanted. Love golf, it's the best. But there's so many different things that you have to remember when you're golfing, like keep your head down, keep your left arm straight. It's uh, turning the hips and using your upper body. One of the most crucial parts of a swing in golf is you got to follow through. Like if you start your swing, if you even hit the ball, but if you don't follow through, that ball is going to go way off course. Today, I'd like to help you follow through so you don't go way off course. Our last chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is the last letter that Paul would write. He's writing to a young pastor, a young preacher named Timothy, whom he's poured his life into for 16 years. 
He left him four years prior to this letter at a city called Ephesus. is where we get the book of Ephesians that's written to. He's writing this letter to encourage him because he's young. He's intimidated. He's scared. The second letter he's had to write to him to encourage his faith and encourage his leadership ability. He says, Timothy, there's a gift in you already. Just fan it into flame. God's already gifted you. It's a grace gift. Walk in that. Be strong in that. He's challenging him to do what he's called to do. The year is 67 AD. This is about four years after persecution started for Christians. And he's under this harsh rulership of a guy named Nero. This guy was crazy and he was so harsh, such a horrible leader. And Paul is actually waiting his execution. And while he's there, he's writing letters. And I showed this video the first week of this series, and I'd like to show it to you again, just to remind you the setting in which this book is written. I'm walking down right now into what is called the Mamertine prison, where Paul the apostle would have been held captive, awaiting Really, what tradition says is his beheading from Nero. This place is cold, it's damp, it's musty. It really is a hole in the ground. And this is where he would write to a young preacher named Timothy to encourage his faith. You can imagine this little cave-like cell where he's writing to encourage somebody else. That blows my mind. As he's there writing to encourage somebody else, telling Timothy, stir up the gift that's inside of you. And this is where he would say, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And his whole life, he says, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith, and now there's a crown laid up for me. And not just for me, but for all who call on the name of the Lord and, and look for his appearing. And this is actually the area that they would have lowered him down the only light that would come would be from this hole in the ground. In this place, he's encouraging somebody else while he's having probably the worst season of his life. I can't believe I'm standing here right now. I thank God for Paul. I thank God for his perseverance and his example. Read 2 Timothy and picture him writing from here. My family and I read the book of 2 Timothy in this prison and just wept, thinking this is the scene in which Paul would write his last letter, his final letter. It's an emotional letter. And he's writing to encourage somebody else's faith. And he's not just telling us how to start. He's saying, here's how you finish. My mom went to heaven about a decade ago, and I remember she said to her father, my grandpa, she said, you didn't just teach me how to live. You taught me how to die well. I'm telling you, everybody, finishing is very important. And there's a lot of us here who have started, and that's great. God rejoices just to see something start. But I'm telling you, there's so much emphasis on the Bible about finishing well. And at the end of his life, he's not concerned about his own life. He's actually writing to Timothy. He's concerned for you. He's concerned for me. He's concerned for generations. He's saying, listen, guys, guys, if I can have your attention, I just want to make sure you preach the word clearly so other people can know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and actually make a difference. I need you to get this, Timothy. There's a sense of urgency. Time is short for Paul. He knows that he will be executed and he's writing his last words down. We don't have chapter breaks and verses in the original context of Scripture. We added those later so we can find verses very quickly. So if you go back two verses from chapter 4, verse 16 and 17 in chapter 3, Paul reminds Timothy, all Scriptures God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Like we, we need all of it. Not just the encouraging, we need correcting. Not just rebuking, we need teaching. We need it all. And then he says, why, why? So that the man of God, the woman of God, the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it's very, it's very safe to say that we cannot be thoroughly equipped without the word of God. We've got to have the Bible in us. We've got to know the Bible. And chapter four opens up, the very last chapter, 
And he says, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Listen, because this is what Paul is pouring out into this parchment paper. He says, preach the word, Timothy. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Write this down, everybody. To finish well, we need some good motivation, and great motivation is what Jesus has already done. It's what he's already done. Think back to what Jesus has done, and that gives us motivation to finish well. Verse one, he says this. Paul reminds him, hey, Timothy, heaven's watching. (laughs) That's some great motivation. Hey, God's watching. And for some of us, that was intimidating growing up. God's watching. Oh, no, dear Lord Jesus. He's watching, but he's also helping. How many are thankful for that? He's not just watching, he's helping. And then he comes along and he says this phrase, in view of his appearing. And many would say this refers to the second coming of Christ, but it's actually referring to the first appearing when Jesus came. And he says, listen, Timothy, because of the appearing of Jesus, like think back to when Jesus first came. Think back to the love of Jesus. Think back to when he was born in a manger. Think back to when he lived a sinless life. Think back to when he died on a cross to pay for your sins and for mine. Think back to when he rose from the dead to bring you and I new life. Think back to when he empowered us with his Holy Spirit. Think back, Timothy, because I want you to remember something before I pass this on. Remember, let this be the motivation to end well. And he says in another place, Romans, another book Paul wrote, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, like because of the mercy of God. What's the mercy? Mercy is withholding judgment that you deserved, that I deserve. Like how many are grateful when you deserved a spanking and your parents said, hey, I'm gonna let this one slide. You're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank God for mercy. <laughs> That's mer- mercy is not giving us what we deserve. So in view of that, in light of that, remembering what Jesus has already done, now let's offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to the Lord. This is your proper worship. Like it's just one... One translation says it's your reasonable act of worship. Wait a second. I'm on fire for God. It's great. We always think like being on fire for God is something special. No, that's just reasonable. That's just your reasonable response to the mercy and the kindness and the grace of almighty Jesus. Come on, I wish I had a few people that would clap your hands and thank God for his mercy today. He didn't give us what we deserve. He gave us grace to forgive our past, to forgive. To cleanse us? Like, really? That's the deal that's on the table? If that's the deal, I'm in. You can have my life willingly. Let me give you myself, everything I am to you because of the mercy of Jesus Christ. Paul then says, I urge you. I'm challenging you. Like, sense the urgency of what's going on. I'm urging you, preach the word, Timothy. Like, take the word of God, preach it. Be in season, out of season, be ready all the time. Be be ready in season, be ready out of season. Now, there'll be some times when you're able to pick a passage of Scripture and really study up on it and share it with a group of people. It's good to be prepared. It feels good to be in your season. Paul says, I don't want you just to preach when you're in a good mood and in a good season. I want you to preach the word when you're in a bad mood and you're not in a good season. Like, I want you to get ready and be ready and stay ready in season, out of season, be prepared. Do it when you're in a good mood, do it when you're in a bad mood. Do it when you're in a good season, do it when you're in a bad season. You're like, Paul, how can you say that? Because he's currently doing it. From a dungeon, he's writing to encourage somebody else's faith. It's amazing to me, this last letter is dripping with passion and urgency of the apostle. He's not concerned about himself. He's concerned about others. Because how many know there will be times when you feel like it and there will be times when you don't? That's okay, because feelings don't lead. Choices lead, feelings follow. 
there will be times when you don't feel like serving on the dream team. There will be times when you don't feel like sharing Christ with a neighbor. There will be times you're on an airplane and you don't feel like talking to the person beside you. You just want to put in your earbuds and go to sleep and be anonymous. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, Paul says, I need you to sense the urgency of the hour. I need you to understand what's at stake here. Timothy, let's lay our lives down. Let's lay our desires down. Let's preach the word when we're in a good mood, in a bad mood, in a good season, in a bad season, because people need to know about the love of God. Every time you speak to somebody, it ought to be out of a deep well of the word of God. So let's get ready now. Get the Bible in us now. Read the Bible now so that when you're in a park, when you're at school, when you're at your work, you're ready. Like you're ready. You don't have to get ready. Statement we say in sports is, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So let's just stay ready. Somebody say, stay ready, stay ready, stay ready. Then he says, preach the word, do this in season, out of season, and then correct, rebuke, encourage people in love. And then there's this phrase, great patience. Not just patience, great patience. Like Be patient with somebody. Be patient with people. Any kind of teacher knows that this trait is a must when it comes to teaching people. Any school teacher, any golf instructor, any pastor, any music teacher knows that people are not going to get it right away. They're going to miss some free throws. They're going to miss some math problems. They're going to miss what you're giving them. And so he says, with great patience, keep on teaching. With great patience, keep on rebuking, keep correcting, keep encouraging. But do this with some great patience. How many of you have ever had somebody teaching you something and they got so tired of you that they quit? Anybody? Like they want to teach you something, you're eager to learn, and you're just not getting it, you're not practicing, you're not putting the effort in, and they're just like, you know what, I really feel like you would best be suited with someone else. <laughs> like it's frustrating to be a teacher. But here's what's funny. You didn't get here overnight. Neither will they. You know what I find interesting is that we often expect from other people what we didn't even do. We expect people to get it right away. Come on, offer grace to people. You're gonna have to walk some miles with people. This is what parenting is all about. You didn't get excited, you didn't get angry with your child because they didn't start running right away. What's wrong with you? Get back up. That's horrible, that's stupid. Don't do that, Sean. Come on. Truth is like light. How many are morning people? Raise your hand. Morning people? How many are not morning people? You're like, if you talk to me before I have my coffee, I might cut you. <laughs> That's you? Okay. How many have ever been awakened by a cheerful morning person and they turn the lights on right away? Boom, lights. It's like a search light, like they're trying to get you to confess about something. Where were you on the night of October 20th? Straight <laughs> in the morning. It's just too much. Too much light, too soon, too fast. You can't see. How many appreciate the dimmer switch? It's a little light at a time, so your eyes can adjust. Well, the truth of God's word is light. Don't blind people. Here's the whole Bible. They can't see. They can't take it all in. On a Sunday, we're not trying to give you everything that we know. We're believing that you're going to come back. And if we have a lifetime together, we'll have a lifetime to get you saved, redeemed, delivered, fulfilled, all of those things. But I want to, I want to give it to you in bite-sized increments. Like he says, he says, with great patience, and then watch this. Not just patience, great patience. Not just instruction, careful instruction. Be careful with it. Like detailed instruction. What's the goal of a teacher? A goal of a teacher is that people get what you're explaining so they can actually come to Jesus. Like, great teachers are concerned with the ability of the student to learn and apply. There are some teachers, they don't care at all. They're just, they're like, I'm gonna go deep. And church is deep. And afterwards, you're like, man, that church was, man, it was so good today. It was deep. What was it about? I don't know. I'm not really sure. I didn't get it. I just was, whew. But I know it's probably good. What's the point of that? 
It's easy to go deep, everybody. It's hard to be practical. Jesus was the greatest teacher this world's ever known. And what he would do is he would take modern day stories and use them to communicate biblical truth. He says, guys, there was a guy, a shepherd. He had 100 sheep and he lost one. He left the 99 to go look for the one. That's my heart for you. Like he's making analogies and metaphors and stories to help people get what he's teaching them with careful instruction, with great patience. Do these things to preach the word of God. You're like, preach? That's, that's not me and that's not what I'm supposed to do. I don't have a microphone or a platform. No, you, you don't understand the word preach then because the word preach just means proclaim. It means you declare it. It means you talk about it. You can talk about the love of Jesus Christ over an egg salad sandwich and some Kool-Aid. You can talk about the love of Jesus over a latte, like an ice mocha. You can talk about Jesus anywhere. Just share the love of Jesus Christ. It's the good news. You say, what makes it good? The fact that Jesus Christ lived the perfect life, died for our sin, gave us hope and healing of eternal life, and we put our trust in him. Like, it's very simple. It's based on what Jesus has already done not based on what you're trying to do. So we preach the word. Let's be rich in the Bible, everybody. Let's get into the word of God. Be ready in season and out of season. Let's correct, let's rebuke, let's encourage with great patience and, and with careful instruction. Help people make it to their next step. That's what I love about our church. We're not expecting you to take every step today. We just say, figure out what your next step is and take that one. What is the next step? Verse three and four says this, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers that say, uh, say whatever their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their eyes and their ears, uh, their hearts away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Listen, if this doesn't describe our day, I don't know what does. He's describing a time where the general population will turn away from the Bible and a biblical worldview. He's describing a time where he says they'll turn their ears away from the truth of God's word. Well, listen, God's word leads us to Jesus. The only way we can find peace is in Jesus. The only way we can find hope is in Jesus. The only way we can find eternal life and forgiveness of sins and purpose and meaning, all of these things is found in Jesus. If we turn away from the word of God, we're turning our heart away from Jesus. We gotta come back to the Bible, everybody. Sound doctrine that teaches us how to live with each other. It's the only thing that helps us find wholeness in our body, soul, mind, spirit, all of that. But instead of God's word, Paul says, there's coming a time where they won't want that anymore and they'll turn around and their itch, ears are itching. Just mm -mm. <laughs> Ever had somebody make that sound with their ear itching? <laughs> it's the worst sound probably in the world. I can't believe I just did that in the microphone. What'd you learn today? I don't know. It doesn't even really do anything. Itching ears, meaning they gotta get scratched. And the only way that they feel that they can be scratched is if you have a teacher that's telling you you can do whatever you wanna do. Like in anything goes philosophy. They'll turn away from the Bible and they'll, they'll, they'll gather around other people who can say everything's okay, it doesn't matter, live whatever you want to suit their own desires. It's a scary day. Paul says to verse, in verse five, not in your notes, look on the screen. He says, but not you, Timothy. Don't let that be said of you. Keep the standard. Keep your head. Keep steady. Don't be up and down. Be consistent like the warriors. Come on, somebody. Be consistent. So it was so easy, just four games, no problem. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge the duties of ministry. He's telling him, like, it's gonna be rough sometimes, Timothy. You're gonna go through some stuff? Endure it gladly. Welcome it. It's okay. Endurance is key. And do the work of an evangelist. Like, he didn't even say he's called to be an evangelist. He didn't even say it was his gift. He just said, do the work of an evangelist. What is that? We all have the responsibility to tell people who are far from Jesus about Jesus. We're all responsible to tell and bring people who are far from Jesus to Jesus. And that's actually, church, that's why we're still here. The church mobilized is the hope of the world. The local church mobilized is the hope of the world. We are on this planet to represent Jesus. So we want to represent him well, but don't just represent him, represent him. Because there's been a lot of people that have presented him in a bad light. 
and a judgmental attitude, no grace and no mercy and no, no hope or no healing. Turn around and tell people what the Bible truly says about Jesus. Come on, let's pray for some opportunities this week that God would give us to invite somebody to Jesus. How do I do that? Very simple, three things. You can write it down if you write it fast, write it fast. It's so hard to get an entire chapter in one Sunday, but here's what you do. Number one, develop a personal relationship. Then share your personal story and then give a personal invitation. It's very simple. Develop a personal relationship, share your personal story, give a personal invitation. You do this and you, you watch. Watch God do what he's been doing for 2,000 years offering hope and healing and changing people's lives. Is there anybody in the room that would clap your hands and say your life has been changed by the love of God? Come on, if it happened for you, you can do that now for somebody else. Paul starts to land the plane. His last letter, last chapter, last verses. He starts talking about his graduation day. We're in a season of graduation here. People are graduating from high school. Any graduates here? Come on, let's clap our hands for all the graduates. Well done, that's good. High school was the best six years of my life. I know you guys are serious. Somebody's like, I just got that. That was funny. It was clever, Sean, clever. I know many of you are like so excited. What you are thrilled to learn, everything you learn, like the hypotenuse is equal to the sum, the square of the other two sides. Like you can't wait to get out there in the real world and put that into action. Everything you learn in high school, but graduation is this. It's moving on to something new and better. Paul says this about his life. He's thinking about that graduation day where he's able to move on to something new, something better. He's finishing the chapter in his life, and he tells Timothy, Timothy, listen, listen to me. I got some things I need to pass on to you. Olympics are always fascinating to watch. Love track and field. And one of the greatest races is that relay race. Because you have these I think there's a few different people running the race, and you have to be fast. You need to be quick. But the most important part of this entire race is the handoff of the baton. Like, if you don't get that, you don't get anything. Doesn't matter how fast you are, you have to get the pass off down. And Paul is saying to Timothy, listen, my life's almost over. My leg of the race is almost gone. Look at me, Timothy. I need you to get what I'm getting ready to give you. I need you to pass this on to you, and then you pass it on to someone else, and I need you to get what I'm getting ready to tell you. So he warns him about a few things. He says, my life is almost done. Look at verse 6. Verse 6, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and my time, the time of my departure is near. Well, what are you talking about? He feels like it's, it's already begun. And that reference to a drink offering, that's referring to a Jewish feast where they would celebrate the Day of Atonement. And on the end of the Day of Atonement, they would pour the drink offering over the altar. There's no fear of death for Paul. There's an assurance that his death would be just like his life. It would be him pouring himself out for others. He was a Roman citizen. Roman citizens got to choose how they were killed, and murdered, executed. Beheading or crucifixion. If you weren't a Roman citizen, you had no choice. It was crucifixion, the way Jesus was crucified. Paul assuredly would have chosen the quick route. And with this, riding in a dark dungeon under candlelight, pouring his heart out, his last words, his last will and testament, if you will, to a young preacher, his protege, Timothy, with all this staring in the face, he writes verse seven that says, Timothy, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Like I now know there's a crown laid up for me, not just for me, but for everybody who longs for the appearing of Jesus Christ. It's crazy. It's an amazing verse. And you're gonna wanna be able to say that one day. Fought, finished, kept. Fought, finished, kept. Fought, finished, kept. There was a fight, but he didn't quit. There was a race, but he didn't quit. 
There was a test of his faith, but he didn't quit. May I encourage somebody here today? Maybe you're here and you're going through a fight, a fight for your marriage, a fight for hope, a fight for thoughts of suicide trying to enter your mind. Can I echo the words of Paul and the Bible and say, don't quit. This is not the time to throw in the towel. Don't give up. Fight. Finish. Keep the faith. Some of you are tired and exhausted and overwhelmed by the race that you're running. Fight, finish, keep your faith in Jesus Christ because ultimately this battle is for your faith. Oh, the devil loves to try and destroy your faith in Jesus. Ephesians 2.8 says that we're saved by grace through faith. No wonder he's been attacking your faith so much. He's trying to get your faith because if he gets your faith, he's got you. Some of you are here today and your faith is shaky. Some of you are barely holding on. Allow me to encourage you once again, do not lose that faith in Jesus Christ. Grip it, hold on to him because he's the only one who can get you through this thing. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in doing good for at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Come on, you can make it. Paul says in another verse, Philippians 3, he says, not that I've already attained all this. I haven't arrived at my goal, but I press on. Somebody say press. Come on, say press. I press on to my goal. What is the goal? I want to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And he goes on to say, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have apprehended it. I haven't taken hold of it. But one thing I do know, one thing I have become an expert in, and that is forgetting what is behind me, and I want to press on to what's in front of me. How many of us sometimes you have to press? Sometimes you have to fight. Sometimes you have to go forward even though you don't feel like it. You're pressing. Anybody can start. It takes strength to finish. You're like, Sean, I'm just going so slowly. Listen to me. Finishing last is still better than not finishing. <laughs> don't worry about your speed. Worry about your direction. Keep walking, keep moving, keep pressing, keep going. Don't quit. Don't stop for anything. Man, am I preaching? I'm trying to. So how do I do this? Here's what I thought. I thought, here's how you get there. Small steps consistently in the right direction eventually lead you to the finish line. It's not about speed. The race is not given to the swift nor the strong. We need the spirit of God. It's one small step in front of another. We're not asking you to do 17 steps today. What is your next step? Find the next step, take that one, rejoice, celebrate, high five, way to go. But don't quit. Stopping is just as bad as going backwards. Like the enemy's trying to destroy your faith. You need to see this. BG uh, Jet said this, if the word quit is in your vocabulary, then the word finish probably isn't. Finish. Paul is all about finishing strong, finishing well. Billy Sunday said this, for a baseball player to make it to third base and just stop puts no more score on the board than somebody who struck out. Finish, for crying out loud, finish. Finish the race God put in front of you because he didn't bring you this far to leave you and you didn't come this far to quit. Come on, this is not the time to, to throw in the towel and forget what God has put inside of you and put in front of you. Run your race. Don't quit, fight, finish the race, and for goodness sake, keep hold of your faith in Jesus Christ. Come on, clap your hands and say a good amen. amen. Write this down. Follow through leads to reward. Follow through, finishing well, leads to reward. Verse eight. It says, now there's in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, that day, that day, and not just only for me, but all who long for his appearing. In other words, he saw to the end. He didn't just show us how to start well, he showed us how to end well. I'm be thankful for that. This is an immoving portion of the verse. He says, my time, the time of my departure is, is near. That word for that phrase is literally used in, in the army back then for a soldier taking up the stakes of his tent rolling up his tent and leaving. He says, I'm there. That same word is used in Greek literature about ropes for boats and ships. They would loose the ropes from the dock and set off to sea. What he's saying here is 
Timothy, the time of my loosing has come. There's no fear of death for the believer. It's a pathway of promotion. He's excited about this new venture with Christ. He said in Romans, he says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'd rather be with God. The only reason I'm here is for you, he said. I love Paul. It didn't matter what you did to Paul. You couldn't get under his skin. They said, Paul, we're going to kill you. He was like, that's cool. To die is gain. They said, Paul, we're not going to kill you. We're going to let you live. He was like, hey, that's cool. To live is Christ. We're not going to kill you or let you live. We're going to make you suffer. He was like, hey, that's cool. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that should be revealed unto me. Like, if you kill me, I'm going to be with Christ. If you let me live, I'm going to live for Christ. And if you make me suffer, I'm just getting more reward from Christ. So bring it on home. It's all Christ to me. Like, you have to love his passion and his commitment to Christ. Like, to see Jesus face to face, to see the others who have gone before you face to face. If you don't have the hope of glory, we want to make sure you do before you leave this place. Write this down, that God will never leave you. Paul had many reasons to be offended, but he wasn't. God will never leave you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Do your best to come to me quickly. Uh, listen to the emotion now he's pouring into this. I want to see you, Timothy. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. He said, Demas was literally, the word is lured away. The devil loves to do that. And doesn't it hurt when you pour your life into somebody and they walk away? Think about this in your own life. What is it in your life right now that's trying to choke out your enthusiasm for Jesus? Paul said, fan into flame the gift that's inside of you. While you're doing the fanning, <laughs> identify what's trying to do the squelching. What is it? What is it that's trying to lure your heart away, your emotions away, your time? What is it that, that you know is trying to put a wet blanket on the fire of God inside of you? I'll tell you one thing for sure. You can't do this alone. That literally is why our small groups are not just something we do. It's who we are. Small groups just launched. And you can go to our website, thefellowshipchurch.com, and check out small groups. Find one that's right for you. They gather for almost any purpose. There's basketball to Bible study, almost anything in between. And you're doing that with other people going the same way as you, building relationship. I'm telling you, your friends determine the direction and quality of your life. Let's run together. Amen, everybody. He goes on, verse 11. Verse 11, he says, only Luke is with me. And then he says, get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in the ministry. Luke. He's faithful to, to Paul. You gotta love those people that are there in the good times. And everything's going well. You're like, man, they love you. You're the best. But how many are grateful for people when they don't leave? When they're there for you in the hard times? when you're served papers and everybody's starting to look at you a little funny, like, I thought you guys had the perfect marriage. And you lost your job when they kicked you out. How many are grateful for those people who stand by you? That's Luke. Faithful Luke. Let's be Luke, everybody. He says, and get Mark. Hey, go get Mark. That's weird. Because Mark accompanied Paul on his first missionary journey and bounced on Paul. He couldn't take it. Actually, if you read the scriptures, Paul was upset. Now fast forward, Paul says, hey, bring Mark. He's been useful to me in the ministry. That's an amazing statement. Anybody grateful that even though you've walked away, God says you can come back and I can still use you? <laughs> That's grace. Verse 12, he says, I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. These are great names, by the way. If anybody's looking for a baby name, Tychicus might be at the top of the list. Verse 13, you can call him Tick for short. Anyway, that's dumb, Sean. That's stupid. Anyway, moving on. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus and Troas, at Troas, my scrolls and especially my parchments. He's talking about the Bible, 
He wants the scrolls. Bring the parchments of the Old Testament. Probably the books of Mark and Matthew were the ones that were being circulated at this time. He wants to fill himself, even at this stage in his life, with the word of God. I love my grandpa. He just went to heaven this year. Last year, he read through the Bible, I think it was five times. He's in his 90s. Just couldn't get enough of the word of God. Let's be that. At the end of our life, we're still going after it. Still getting the word of God. He was, he was witnessing the people on their deathbeds in a, in a home. He says, there's no retirement in this army, Sean. I will be used wherever God places me. Let's be that guy. Let's be that woman. Amen, everybody? Verse 14, Alexander, this guy. Don't be this guy. The metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. Alexander. Paul says, he warns Timothy. He's like, hey, listen, he, he did me wrong. He'll try to do the same to you if you let him. Be careful. But he doesn't judge him. He, he doesn't say to Timothy, like, hey, Timothy, get the boys. Get Peter. He's crazy. Get John. Go, go handle Alexander. Like, break his legs and take a picture and send it to me in the pen. He's not doing that. He's like, hey, he'll have to answer to God for that. I'm holding no offense. This is a great way to learn how to respond to people who hurt you. Give it to God. Don't hold it, fence. Don't hold. It destroys you. That's another way the devil slips in and destroys your faith. Verse 16. At my first offense, this is sad, no one came to my support, but everyone departed from me. And it's hard again. May it not be held against them. No one stood up for Paul. Why? Because people were afraid of Nero. If anybody opposed Nero, he would have them executed. So he, he was left by himself, standing there alone, an innocent man. The only thing he was guilty of is talking about Jesus. And now he's about to die. And he's like, hey, don't hold it against them. If you see him at Target, don't avoid him. <laughs> like, I'm not, I don't hold it against them. Listen, it's important that you don't pick up somebody else's offense either. That you're not offended, but you don't take offense for somebody else. Paul is teaching us so much here, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 17, he says, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Nobody was there for me, but God was there for me. So through, my, through, through me, the message might be fully proclaimed uh, and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. He says, listen, no matter what you go through, others may hurt you, others may abandon you, but God will never leave you. Hebrews 13, 5 says this, that God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? That was the heart of Paul, ladies and gentlemen. And that phrase never is actually in that verse six times. So God's saying, I will never, 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 never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm here with you through thick and thin. Ladies he, and gentlemen, he gives you strength when you're weak. He gives you comfort when you're hurting. He gives peace to those who are broken and afraid. But Paul's motive here is so that I could just proclaim the message clearly. Like, again, he's not thinking of himself. He's not thinking of his own life. He's not thinking of his own comfort. He's like, man, I just want to deliver the message. I, wanna, I want Jesus to work through me so others can come to know him. And he delivered me out of so much. Come on, has God ever come through for you? He delivered me out of the mouth of a lion, he says. That could have been Nero. It could have been the devil. It could have been a myriad of things. But he says, any attack that came my way, the Lord has delivered me out of that. And I'm sure that God will deliver me now safely into his presence, into his kingdom, for, forever be glory, honor, majesty, dominion, power, and might to you, God, forever. And he's preaching so good, he amens himself. Amen. <laughs> and just like any preacher, just when you think he's finished, he's not. <laughs> Don't look at me funny. I got it from him. He said amen. We should close our Bible. Oh, there's more. He says a short little verse more, verse 19 and 20 through 22. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila. Those are friends of his. They were tent makers. They've actually had a, a home, a church in their home in four different cities. Follow Paul. In the household of Onesiphorus, verse 20, Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus in Miletus. 
Verse 21, you hear the emotion. Probably as some tears begin to fall on this parchment paper, as he says, Timothy, could you do your best to get here before winter? I would sure love to see you one last time. Eubulus greets you, and so do Prudence and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers and sisters. And the last verse that Paul would ever write that we have record of, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. He started this first chapter with grace, and he ends with grace. Why? Because it's the grace of God that saves us, calls us, empowers us. We should never become weary of thanking God for his grace. He closes now, and after this final goodbye, he would be taken out by Nero and executed. It's an emotional book for me because I've learned so much from Paul. And now I can only use my sanctified imagination to think about how Paul would lower his neck onto an executioner's block and the sword lifted up high. And in that moment, he exhaled earth and inhaled heaven. As the time of his departure, the loosing came. I thank God for Paul. We name cities after Paul, St. Paul. Name sons after Paul. He's taught us so much. He's done so much. He's suffered so much. And I know there's going to be a line of people waiting to talk to Paul in heaven. But I'm so grateful that it didn't stop with Paul. I'm so grateful that he passed it on. And from generation to generation to generation, there's been great men and women of God who picked up the baton. Ladies and gentlemen, write this down. It's your turn. It's your turn to pick up the baton. It's being passed. In Psalm 145, David said this, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. There's a great general who fell named Billy Graham this year. Let's watch this and pay tribute. For many thousands of people here today, this will be an hour of decision, and you will never be the same today. Even if you refuse Christ, you'll never be the same. Christ can change your past. He died on the cross so that all the sins you've ever committed, all the things you've ever done wrong are forgiven. I believe that none of you are here by accident tonight. I believe that you're here on this particular night because this is the night that you are to meet God in a new way. The thief on the cross took that one moment and said, Lord, remember me. And in that moment, Jesus said, thou shalt be with me in paradise. He satisfies the deepest longings of our hearts and our lives. I want to hear one person say something nice about me, and that's the Lord. When I face him, I want him to say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But I'm not sure I'm going to hear it, but that's what I would like to hear. Come on, let's clap our hands for Billy Graham, everybody. He led millions of people to Jesus. That was his only message. And he died this year. And I believe there's a baton that's being passed, not to an individual, but to a generation. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick up the baton. This is not the time to drop the baton. It's being passed. And then write this down. Live with the end in mind. Rick Bizet, one of our overseers, and Dino Rizzo were with Billy Graham days before he died. And he said, if you can give some advice to us, what would you give us? And he said this, live with the end in mind. Think about those words, standing before Jesus Christ and him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. 
You were faithful with what I gave you. Come on in, enter the joy of the Lord. Live with the end in mind. Let that be a motivation, what Jesus has already done and what he's getting ready to do. But for goodness sake, pick up the baton. The only people that get a reward are those who participated. You watch the Warriors game, you didn't get squat. They did, why? Because they played. As your pastor, I'm telling you, it's not time. This is not the season to sit and to soak and to sour. It is time to pick up the baton. You might have even dropped the baton. Go back to where you dropped it, pick it back up, and begin to run the race that God's given you. He's, he's given you a gift. Be strong in the grace gift. Fan the flame. Just start. Write this last one down. Just start. If you're going to finish, you have to start somewhere. Don't worry about 17 steps down the road. Just take the next one. Just start. Maybe it's giving your life to Jesus today. I want to lead you in a commitment prayer in just a moment. Maybe it's going through our growth track, giving us four weeks to help you discover your purpose so we can set you loose in your passion to make the biggest difference possible. Maybe it's joining a small group or getting water baptized. I don't know what it is, but start, start, start. Pick up the baton. Pick up the baton. Why? Because we have to have the motivation that Paul had it's not about us. It's about others. Let me end with the same verse that we started with. As he says, fan into flame the gift that I know is inside of you. I've been praying through this entire series that gifts would begin to awaken. That we wouldn't have pew sitters, but we would have people connected to their passions making an eternal difference and impact when you do that, when you do that, you come alive. Even though you're helping other people, something clicks in you. And you begin to understand this is what life is all about. And that's Second Timothy. Would you bow your heads with me? Your heads out, bowed and your eyes closed all over this room. Maybe you're here and your life is not right with Jesus, but you need it to be right here and right now. I'm not going to have you stand or come to the front. I want to give you... A prayer you can pray right in your seat to connect you to Jesus. It's very simple. But if you're here and you're like, man, that's me. Count me in the prayer. I need a fresh start with God. I need to take this first step with him, maybe. I'm renewing my commitment. I don't know where you are, but you know. God knows. If that's you, just shoot your hand up on the count of three. Say, count me in that prayer when you pray it. Come on here. Alternative seating. Family worship room. Online. One. Two. Three. Lift it up. This is me. Yes, 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 yes. Just leave it up for a second. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, let's clap our hands. I see you in the back. Great job. Every hand represents a soul. And you are the reason we exist to help lead you to the Father. Would you pray this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me right where I am. Today, forgive me for my sin. Wash me clean. I give you my life. I choose to follow you. Be my Lord and Savior. And just put your hand on your heart. I want to pray for the gift inside you. Lord, I speak to the gift and the potential inside of everyone who's listening. I pray that today, that gift would come alive. For those that are struggling with insecurity and doubt and shame, I pray that, Lord, you'd break that right now in the name of Jesus. That today, a church would stand up as one voice saying, we will gladly take the baton. We will gladly fulfill the purpose and calling on our life. We're not satisfied just sitting and watching any longer, but God, Put us in the game. We want to be faithful. We want to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. So Lord, challenge us today with this. Thank you for your word and thank you for the Apostle Paul. In Jesus' name, somebody say good amen. Come on, can we clap our hands for everybody who prayed that prayer today? Great job.